If you haven't seen Dune, stop listening right now. There's going to be many spoilers ahead. Go watch it and then come back and listen. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Why don't you start off by um, explaining which character you would be if you were to be in the world of Dune and why? Who I think I would be or who I would want to be. Um, oh, that's actually an interesting spin. Oh, I see. I originally think I who you want to be rather than who you would be. Right. Which do you I'll... feel most comfortable? <laughs> Which do you, because you know, like <laughs> who you think you would be, yeah. that's a little bit more, <laughs> gives you a bit of a greater insight into you. Right. No. <laughs> well, no, I think who you'd want to be gives a great insight, doesn't it? Because. Oh, I don't know. Because you, like, <laughs> I would love to be a sandworm. <laughs> so much power. Okay, I didn't, e- I didn't expect that one, that's for sure. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Man in Motion podcast. Uh, I'm back here with Bri and we're about to talk Dune. We just I just finished watching Dune about eight hours ago. Um, so Bri, you've probably had more time to process this than I have, but I don't know about you. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. It was fantastic. Also, good morning, everyone. Um, <laughs> it's very, very early in the morning. <laughs> Crack of dawn. <laughs> no, yep. it's not that early. Um, it was fantastic. It was yeah. a visionary masterpiece. Um, and even um, a masterpiece in terms of the soundtrack, too. It was, it was a delightful piece to oh, kind Hans of experience. Oh, Hans Zimmer. He's so good. I mean, you, I mean you, you don't even need to present an adjective when Hans Zimmer is in the conversation. Just state his name and we already know that it's fantastic. I, I think in the future when when a composer uh, creates a great soundtrack, you can say he Hans Zimmered it. I agree. I like this. This yeah. is a good precedent. <laughs> we should do it. He Hans Zimmered it. <laughs> yeah, he Hans Zimmered it. There you go. Um, so do you want to start? Just uh, mm. tell us what you liked about the film just as mm-hmm. a little summary. Okay. I enjoyed the film because for a variety of factors, but one of them that stood out to me was I found that it really draws the viewer into its world. Do you know, for me, a good movie is a film that shuts off the attention from the world that you're in and allows you to escape into the reality that it's created. It has a commanding nature in that sense. The storyline is compelling. The actors are compelling. The way the mise-en-scene is set is compelling. The CGI, everything is created in a way that demands attention. And the attention that, that that it seeks from the audience and which we ultimately give to it is a result of its majestic nature, it, the, the sublime qualities that flow from the film um, and and the power that's associated with the film, I think. Yeah, it's funny you talk about um, the film drawing you in. Mm. So when we finished watching it, my, like I said to my brother, I said, this is, this is what Star Wars always wished it could be mm. in terms of its wor- world building. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it's like... The world building was incredible. Like, like, I don't know. And and using that Star Wars comparison, if you go back to that first mm-hmm. Star Wars, like that first Star Wars movie would have been about the same length as 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 this film, right? Correct, R- around two yeah. and a half hours, something like that. Um, but nowhere near as much. Um, like you know, that specific world building that they created here and the, the actual, like, not just, like, world building isn't just throwing out a bunch of names and, um, and you know, saying, oh, this planet, that planet, and uh, these people, that people kind of thing, right? But it's mm. it's it's actually a feeling. Like, like mm. you said, it draws you in and you actually feel like this is a real thing. Like, we're, we're in a, like, I'm a part of this now and, like, what like you know what's the stakes here and what's going to happen and you you just feel like so on edge because like everything that you know might come to an end like it feels real um so yeah i think they did that so well um and uh yeah it was just it was just great the 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 acting performance yeah sorry go 
I was going to say, because he said it feels real, you know, if something feels real, then can we say that it is real? Well, almost, right? So, <laughs> almost. It's a bit of a tricky question. <laughs> Very well, early in the morning it, for this kind of a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. But no, no, it, I, I think um, it, it is real in its own context kind of thing. Like, in the context of it being, uh, like, I'd say, like, it's, it's, a, it's real art, you could say, almost. Yes, uh, I agree. Yeah. It's not a film. It's like pieces of moving painting. Yeah, it, well, it, it really is. And and these kind of films don't come around every day of the week. Um, no. <laughs> no, they don't like, grow on trees. <laughs> they, don't, they really don't grow on trees. Uh, they don't grow on palm, uh, palm trees. I'll talk about the palm trees later. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, man... Oh, I just, I, the thing is, like I said, I've only, I only finished watching this thing eight hours ago. So like, I usually need like three days to properly process. Three business days? <laughs> three business, yeah, yeah, three okay. business days to properly process, maybe even a rewatch. I was actually thinking to myself, I was like, man, should I just go and rewatch it today? Like, You really should. Just I do really, it. It's so good. <laughs> um, maybe, do, do you have, so you were telling me, um, that you wanted to dive a bit more into the, the thematic side of mm. this film. I do. Um, and particularly because you've had a few days to process. I have. Uh, maybe you can start off the conversation and then I can add on a little bit. Okay, sure. So there are a few themes that really stood out to me and one of them that intrigued me quite a bit and which I want to unpack is... I find that the film comments and critiques on how we understand what masculinity is. You have a character, um, Paul, namely the protagonist, um, beautifully played by Timothy, excellently executed. And, you know, he's, he's not like his father, for example. You know, he's a warrior. He's very good at fighting. But he has a different um, aura or a different vibe associated with him. Mm. He's qualities and his strengths are characterized by his empathy, his intelligence, his wit, um, as opposed to his physical, uh, like power and his, his ability to fight. And I think that in that instance, I mean, yes, like I, I just want to flag, he is an excellent fighter. You know, we, we see this throughout the film, but they are not his overriding qualities. It is ultimately what happens within his mind and his soul and spirit that make him the character that he is. And I think that through that, the film is paving the pathway for its viewer to accept a kind of masculinity that is ultimately categorized by those qualities of empathy, of intelligence, of wit, of being able to connect with the people around you rather than of physical dominance. Mm. And, you know, like, it's funny, like, because, you know, Timothy ultimately, like, everything in a movie is deliberate. They're not, like, they pick someone who is deliberately of a thinner build, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, it's it's not, they're not doing that because they just want to. They're doing that deliberately to communicate to people and to critique our idea of what a heroic leader looks like yeah and and like the the way they like set up his relationship with his father is just brilliant like when they're Mm -hmm. on their home planet and he he comes to him and he says oh can i go with what's the guy uh duncan the, yes. uh, play, played by Jason Momoa, he said, "Can I go with the, uh, mm. you know, the, the, what's it called, the um... to Arrakis? Is that where they were going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. Uh, what's the uh, like, you know, they were going first, like to scout out the place. I, I'm losing my words. It's too early in the morning. But it was like yeah. the, uh, the, you know, the the scout party basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and he said, you know, can I go with him? And he's like, no, you're, you've got." Like you're my son. Like you've got responsibilities. You mm-hmm. c- you can't be taking risks like that. And he says, "Oh, you know, grandfather fought bulls for fun." And he said, "Yeah, well, look how that turned out, kind of thing." Yes. So he's he's like he's at the same time, even though he's like this kind of um, uh, he's he's a very different person. Like he's this skinny build. He's like he's got different attributes to his father in terms of like what he's better at. And I know, like, yeah, obviously, like you mentioned, yeah, he is still good at fighting and whatever else, but that's probably not 
like he he's it's his wit and his cunning that's really what 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 he's got going for him mm. even though that's the case he's still he's he's like he's got like a hunger for the action or like a hunger for you know just doing like risky things almost um that, yeah yeah and oh, well are they risky or are they you know are they needed you know is uh, it do you get what i'm saying like is it a riskiness that is needed or a spontaneous risky yeah maybe uh i think it maybe is a risky riskiness that is needed kind of thing so i think maybe like um See, the, the, the interesting thing I found is when they did get to the desert planet... Oh, oh, okay, I'm going to put a... This reminded me, actually. I'm going to have to probably <laughs> put a thing. thing at the start of the podcast <laughs> saying spoiler alert because we are Honestly, going full don't. spoilers here. No, no, no it's gonna, we're going Let, full spoilers. It's okay. It'll be a delightful surprise for them. No, don't. no, no. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> I would be so annoyed if I... If I anyway... Um, no, but when they find when they get to the desert planet, I forget what it's called. Harakus is it? Is that Arrakis. what it's called? Or Dune as well is it's commonly known as Dune or Arrakis. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. So when they get there, and his father says, "You know, I want to go out and see the spice fields. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to like personally go out and see the spice fields." That's the exact kind of kind of uh, you know risky behavior that he's okay. telling his son not to do. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like going It's kind out, of like, adorable actually. He he doesn't need to go out there. He can send yeah. what's his name? Uh, you know, Josh Brolin to go out yeah. there and check it out. He doesn't need to go out there, but he does. Mm. And he takes his son as well. Like mm. it, it, so it's almost like this it, it's it's a very human nature that you see from both of them is that like he's telling him he he knows like he's telling his son you know don't do this don't do that because it probably is the correct thing you know you're the heir you're my heir you know you can't be doing risky stuff but then he's doing it himself because he kind of has the same thing he's got that hunger for the action or he's got that hunger to like you know oversee things himself or you know that kind of thing uh and i just found that really really interesting is that he's mm. doing the exact thing that he's telling his son not to do it's so interesting uh that is a very good pickup. I, I definitely agree with that. So, you know, and, you, you know, it's it, the quality of risk taking, you know, because this kind of very neatly segues into um, how Dune challenges our ideas of what leadership is as well. Yes. Right. And I think that risk taking is a strong theme there. But so is the theme of, and one of my favorite quotes from the film is, you know, a leader, it does not, um, seek leadership right it calls to him and then and he has to decide whether to exactly answer exactly what, one of my favorite i think probably my favorite shot of the film is when uh paul and his mother are in the tent in the desert and they they take they take out that little like note from the doctor mm. and and there's his father's ring and he puts on the ring, but then he covers it with his hand. Right. Mm. So he the, the call of leadership it's 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 called him. Right. Mm. There's the ring. He's, he the call of leadership is there. He accepts the call, but then he covers it with his hand. Right. Almost signifying like, okay, I'll, I'll fine, I'll do it. But like, I I don't want this to kind of be my thing. So he like. Mm. He covers it with his hand, like he he he's a it's a reluctant acceptance almost. So a humble and leader. Ultimately. I ju- I just loved that shot because it was so deliberate. And by the way, like Denny Villeneuve, he's like he's done it again. Like he hasn't made a bad film in his whole career. It's unbelievable. But he puts on the ring and he covers it with his hand, and I was just like, oh my god, that's so good. I couldn't believe it. It's yeah, just the little things like that that add to. What's going on inside this character is just brilliant. It's so deeply profound, yeah. you know, and you, you raise a really good point when you talk about how he's reluctant towards it. And I think that Paul is reluctant towards being in the spotlight in many instances. Like even when he catches that, what is that thing that tries to kill him? It's like a little bug that enters into his room. Yeah, the, the hunter seeker thing. There yeah. we go. Yeah. And 
you know, he's praised for it when he goes back to, I'm going to call it the round table meeting. Yeah. He's almost shy. Not yeah. shy, but he's reserved, you know? Yeah, like, he says to he says to Josh Rowling, oh, thanks for humiliating me. Like, yeah, th- there we go. Yeah, so he is embarrassed. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, what a beautiful quality to have, you mm. know, if we are going to say that this is our leader, you know, like, it's that humility and that, empathy and that kindness and the idea that I'm not the one who is leading people. I'm there to serve the people because that's mm. ultimately what the crux of leadership is. Yeah. Um, and sorry, you also spoke about um, the mother, Jessica. Yeah. Excellent character. Oh. And oh, very good. <laughs> and uh, She's actually one of my favorite characters in the film. Yeah. And what she represents to me is she represents a very powerful um, female figure in the sense that this woman is guiding this person to be a leader because Paul is a young man, right? And he is seeking the guidance of who? His mother, right? Somebody who has this ability to to manipulate and control people with her voice. But she doesn't necessarily teach him the ways of the voice Rather, she instills within him higher moral values. And I just think, again, it's another way in which the director is communicating to the audience of what power looks like, you know, of what a non-toxic power looks like and how women... We, women do raise powerful men and Mm. they do contribute to the success of men. And... It's something that goes unnoticed, but I think that in this film, um, we are given a, an insight into that experience or that reality. Mm, yeah. Yeah, she's like... Uh, that, I, that, that is one thing I want to talk about is the um, the whole visions thing that he has mm. and that entire, that entire arc going from almost... Um, and this is very big spoilers, but going from the start where he's almost like afraid of his visions and he doesn't know what's going on mm. to the final scene where he he almost u- uses his knowledge of what his, like his visions say is going to happen to actually change what his visions say are going to happen. So in that final in that final fight where he has to fight that guy, that guy, he, yes. Yeah, that guy. I can't remember. His, I don't know if they gave him a name or not, but he has to fight that guy. He has to duel that guy. And before the fight, he 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 sees the visions of what's going to happen and he sees that he dies. Mm. But mm. then he has the fight and obviously he he beats the guy, right? Yeah. And I, this, is all, this is a very similar theme, actually, to... Uh, Denny Villeneuve has done this before in Arrival, is that it's a very similar theme in Arrival where, you know, if you know the future, can you change it and blah, 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 you know. But this was very interesting, is that he kind of... Um, the arc of how he used his visions and how he saw... Like, the, the attitude that he saw his visions with um, from the start almost being afraid to the end kind of almost using the visions... And uh, like to, you know, actually change what he saw. Mm. That is very, very true. (laughs) And I'll also extend on that, you know, because to me, the visions also represent, um, it's an analogy for religion, right? Those visions um, can be described in this context as something of the divine. And so then we lead ourselves into a conversation of the film actually does have a very strong theme of religion and faith Mm. right and i think that through that um we're seeing the belief of faith is important and it is relevant which is not a very common theme in movies produced in 2021. No. You know, we, we live in a very secular age yeah. where faith and religion is a very redundant um, within art, cinema. And I believe that that's a reflection of our society, right? Because yeah. what is film? It is a mirror of society. And yes, mm. it can be the other way around too. It's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I just thought that that was interesting. I'm sure it definitely stems from the book as well. But look, it, it's it was just... It was very different to see that um, yeah. in a film. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm I'm very interested. By the way, uh, guys, this this is only a part one on June. We're gonna do a part two with uh, Rashid. Rashid couldn't be here this morning, and in that part, we're gonna talk a little bit more of uh, I guess the technical side of how this film was made. Um, you know, the accuracy to the book, um, and we might even do a little bit of a Villeneuve filmography ranking and see where Dune places. Um, I know myself, I think I'm going to be putting that up pretty high. Mm. I, yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to see what Rashid thinks of this film because he's been waiting for it a long time and he's yeah. read all the books. Neither of us have read the books. No, we're not uh, real fans. We're not real <laughs> fans. Rashid is like a lifelong fan of this, of this series. So um, the other thing, right, the other thing, it came up, the title sequence, we know now there's going to be part two of this film. Uh, at the start of the film, we came up with, you know, the title sequence said Dune part one. I'm ready, like I said to my brother, I said, I'm ready to be lost in this world for like mm. five, six movies. Bring it on. Like, keep... That's a like, nice way of putting it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they because there was a lot of like online kind of annoyance by the way the film ended. But, really? Yeah, because, you know, they were like, oh, what? Like, the whole film was just a big setup, and, you know, that's all it was. But I mean, that's the whole point, though. But, like, <laughs> it was amazing the, what they did. Mm. It was amazing. They set up all these characters. They create, like, oh, the, the development over just one movie, the setup of an entire world, mm. and, like, an entire universe of what's going on. There was political stuff in there. You get a good idea of what's happening. Like, the House of Trades were all, like, they were getting too powerful for the Emperor, basically. Mm. And so he had to find a way to kind of side-handedly get rid of them by saying, oh, here's this nice new job. Um, but the previous guys sabotaged them. They had a hard time settling in. And then the Emperor basically, you know, helped the previous guys get rid of them. So <laughs> there's like all these political stuff going on there's the more personal character stuff going on and then there's like this higher nature stuff like with all the the visions and the weird witch people mm. and stuff right Love so the weird witch people the, the weird witch people actually i changed my mind i want to be one of the weird witch people <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, do you know who i would want to be jason momoa's character 100 percent. he is awesome oh i don't he think i so good yeah i don't think i am but I would okay. want to be. <laughs> I mean, you can reality can conform to your mind if you yeah, choose course. it to be. Of course, this is the can, ultimate truth. Can I say I? Uh, I'm. Do you know? I'm a little bit sad because okay. they died. They, they casted three amazing character uh, actors for these characters: the Oscar Isaac for the father. Yeah, uh, it was great. J- Josh Brolin for whatever that character's name was. I can't remember, <laughs> and. Jason Momoa for Duncan mm. and they all three died and I was just like oh like I don't have a problem with characters dying but I just want to see these guys for longer like they were so good all of them although I will point out two things after Jason Momoa died uh Paul was still seeing him in his visions like mm. among the Fremen people right and the sec and the second thing is, we never saw Josh Brolin actually die. Right, we it was implied. He just went into the battle. Yeah. And then that was it. Mm. So I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit open ended there, at least with him, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like because until we see the physical dead dead body, then how yeah. will we know? Like, there's so much miscommunication. Like. Even um, when the father um, was, you know, caught by the bad guy, um, yeah. you know, he was under the belief that his son passed away and that right. was the contributing factor to him crushing that tooth, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's an example of how just because someone says someone is dead doesn't yep. necessarily mean that's the reality in this film. Yeah, um, that's right. So it is a, it's very much a possibility that Duncan... Um, will reappear. I mean, Rashi probably knows the answers. Rashi <laughs> probably does know the answer. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't want spoilers for the No, next I know film. you don't. Yeah, no, yeah, of yeah. course, neither do I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm happy to be in the dark about that. 
Same. Um, my brother brought up a very interesting point. And at first I was kind of like, what nonsense are you talking? But then you think about it a little bit and you're like, ah, that is very interesting. And it's a theme that they kind of start right at the beginning of the film. And it goes all the way through and only changes right at the end. And that's the fact that every main character, they never... Uh, they're never able to kill someone without dying themselves. Interesting. So, so when uh, Paul's father crushes, like, crushes the tooth to kill the rest of them, he has okay. to die also. Mm. When, when the doctor betrays uh, you know, House Atreides, he, he, he kills, well, basically he kills them all. Basically he kills the house kind of thing, yeah. but he has to die also. Or he ends up dying also. Uh, when when Duncan takes out all those guys in the hallway, he has to die also. And this theme starts right at the beginning when when Paul is training with Josh Brolin's character. And he says, and Paul says, you know, like, I got you. And he says, yes, but you would have joined me in death, my lord. It starts there. And the only time that a main character kills someone without dying is right at the end when Paul wins that duel. And there was an interesting moment there as well when, um, when the uh, wow, what's his name? It's um, oh, I forgot the actor's name. I have to get this. Are actor. you talking about Jameis? Jameis, who's Jameis? The character no, that dies at the end. No, no, no. I'm talking about the leader of the leader of them that's that's sitting there. I forget. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. He's such a he's such a good actor. He's the main. I don't know if you remember. He's the main yes. villain in uh, uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh no, I haven't seen that. Oh, you haven't seen that. Okay. Um, I started watching it though. <laughs> but he says to his mother. He says to Paul's mother, like, is he toying with him? Because he mm-hmm. he finds his neck like three four times. And then, and then his mother says, "No, he he's just never killed a man," kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's it's I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. I don't know really what it means, but mm. it's an interesting kind of thing to look at and say, like nobody is able to kill anybody without dying themselves, except Paul. Right, and yeah. that's actually a fantastic pickup. And what comes to mind is like. Well, why is it the case? Like, why why is Paul different from the others? And I would argue it's it goes back to that initial um, commentary on that theme of masculinity that we made. Yeah. It's because Paul doesn't want that, right? He doesn't want to be that vicious killer. He even says in the battle towards the end, like, he's reluctant to fight. Like, he yeah, doesn't he, want that. And he tells you know? him, yeah, he tells him yield. Like, he gives him a yeah, chance. He doesn't want to kill him. And so yeah. it's like, it's, it's like... And as a result of that mercy and that compassion towards his fellow human beings, well, I don't know if exactly that they're humans, he is rewarded with um, with a chance in life, right? Yeah. Which is contrary to, I think, the other characters because although they are good, you know, this, you know, well, I mean, I guess, should I say they're good? I don't know because what is good, what is bad? It's a, it's a duality here, right? Yeah. They are different to him in the sense that they are warriors and that their idea or vision of leadership involves killing and yeah. getting anyone who gets into the way of this cause yeah. shall meet my sword. Yeah. Do you know, it's a different vision to what Paul subscribes to. Yeah. Um, and you, even in that beginning scene, he was saying, you know, when he was fighting, um, with Gunry, I think that's you know the, is that, the char- is that Josh Brolin's correct name. His name's Gunry. Um, yeah, he's like he's like uh, he's like you know he's because Paul doesn't even want to fight. He's like he can't be bothered, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and yeah, he doesn't yeah. have that motivation. I'm not in the drive. mood. I'm not in the exactly. Mood. <laughs> Imagine saying that on battle. Sorry, guys. CBB. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> See yeah. you tomorrow. Right? Like, he, like, look at that attitude. It's deliberate. You know, like, he's not he's not a fighter by default. And mm. as a result, he is successful um, 
in contrast to those other characters. Right. Like, look, I, I, I like Duncan. He's a great character. I really enjoyed watching him. But also, I'm going to critique his his, <laughs> his strategy here. <laughs> like, you're an idiot if you think you're just going to go out, you know, kill a bunch of these. I don't know what they are and yeah, just well, survive. Like, well, that's come the, on, that, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like, he was opening that door and I was thinking... Why are you opening the door? There's a door behind. There's a door between you guys. Just run out through the thing. Precisely. Like <laughs> it's it like again like it's it's com- we're finding it funny, right? It's it's supposed to be entertaining because yeah. the director is saying like this is not the way of a leader. Like it's a, so heroic to the yeah. point where it's self-sacrificing. Yeah. And what do we know about self-sacrificing behavior is that it's insustainable. It yeah. leads to one's demise. Yeah. And that is a blaring theme yeah. I see throughout the film. Yeah. Even when, uh, what's the doctor's name? Oh, what is her name? Um, Light Kinds, is that correct? Played by which, Sharon Duncan. Which, which, which doctor? Um, which doctor are you talking about? Okay, let's just go with the character played by Sharon Duncan. We we can all oh her. right 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 the uh, like the scientist the the spy right, scientist yeah. or whatever so she's yeah, she's yeah, not yeah. like a medical doctor but she's a a doctor of sorts right 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 and she's a character who represents the idea of <clears throat> existing without self sacrificing you know right. when she helps the mother um she helps Jessica and Paul and then she goes her own separate way you know yeah. she doesn't try to be a hero she says okay this is where we part you go your way I'll go this way and yeah. we can reconvene right yeah. so like again it's the film is constantly coming back to these ideas of what it means to be a good leader what mm. it means to be a successful person within this ultimately dangerous yet fantastical world yeah yeah so can I tell you something that will mm. really 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 annoy you right uh, because I I I kind of I listen to what people say or what their general like feel on things are right. Like I like mm. to you know kind of you know read reviews and see what people are saying. Particularly this um, this internet generation where everyone can like you know give their opinion straight away. It's a dangerous and, world. Yeah, and one of the reviews I saw really really infuriated me. <laughs> I think and, I know which one it is. But so this. They said basically uh, that the film was bad because it wasn't funny. Oh, okay. That- <laughs> that, that's the critique. That's oh, the God. that's the level of stupidity we're dealing with. Here. Oh no! You know what? I can't. It's too early to do like, this. Uh, uh, like because I don't know what people are expecting, but are they expecting to go in and like? Are they? Do they think they're watching a Marvel film where there's going to be characters <laughs> cracking jokes in the middle of a fight or whatever? Like, what are they expecting? What, like, oh, gone are know. the days of good <sighs> cinema and the appreciation thereof. I, <laughs> I, <can't laughs> I weep for uh, the intellect of the people. <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm pretty sure I haven't actually, um, I haven't actually checked the numbers, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure that financially this film is doing really, really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. It's at uh, $370 million box office worldwide, mm-hmm. right? That's seriously adjusted by the fact that it was released to HBO straight mm-hmm. away, right? And... You know, Australia, we, we got it very late and that kind of thing. So I'm sure a lot of people already watched it on HBO. That's $370 million during a pandemic while the film is on streaming. Like, it's it's straight to streaming. That is a really, really good performance by a film as long and, mm-hmm. like, as slow-paced. Yes. As, as uh, like, I guess, not funny as this. <laughs> if you, for oh, the, for the regular people, not funny. You know, like it's it's doing really, really well. It's it doing is. really well. It's mm. yeah. So I think that's a really good sign. And the fact that they've already locked in a part two is it's exciting. Really great. I can't wait. It's Same. gonna be. It's gonna be amazing. You know, though, you raise 
Okay, you've opened a can of worms, oh, um, no. ultimately. It's a good can of worms, though, okay? It's a very good, like, intellectual exercise here. We're, we're, so, already, we're already bashing Marvel. <laughs> I, I hate, but, okay, I really dislike Marvel, okay? And any actor who's in Marvel is on my ban list. Well, do you know what the funny thing is? Is, like, half of these actors in this, in this film have either been in a DC or a Marvel film. Yeah, I know. I know. That 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 okay, look, but they have redeemed themselves. Okay, so <laughs> I I am a strong but just leader. Yeah. Okay, I'm well, willing I t- to I tell you what though, before the film started, the Spider-Man trailer came on and I will say it actually looks pretty good. Mm. Even oh, by okay. even by my stand, it oh. actually looks pretty good. I I look. Nah. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I just listen, can't. I can't. Some listen, bright. There's a middle ground. No, some, there, no, there isn't. Some you of the Marvel in films. Or not. Some of the Marvel films have been pretty good. Okay. Okay. Can I? All right. Let, let, okay. I think you'll be pleased with this way of phrasing it. Objectively, right, okay. they're good, but subjectively, I'm screaming inside. Can can, can those I, two opinions exist in that I, fashion? I, I'd actually like. I disagree with that. I'd say that objectively, they're pretty bad. Most of them are pretty bad. Okay, so then why are you giving me trash? No, but I'm just saying, guys, like, you have you it on record. No, no, no. I'm just saying you can't paint all of them with the same brush. Some no, of them. No, there you are can't some. There are some gems that are a bit better among them. Um, but most of them are pretty cookie cookie cut cookie cutter. I can't say this this time in the morning. It's okay. Anyway, yeah. Oh look, all right. All right. So ultimately, let's rewind. Let's let's do a circle back. To yeah, let's not talk about Marvel. Let's the go. conversation that is far more nourishing and enriching. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Um, so you know, you made the comment that. Oh goodness, my! Oh, I just it's 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 escaped me, um, because we just went on a tangent. Oh no, I'm so sorry. This this is terrible. Oh no, (laughs) what were we talking about? I was talking about the review where the guy criticised it for being funny. Bingo! Excellent work. Good, you're on the ball. Okay, (laughs) so, (laughs) um, so yeah, so we have a critique that it's not funny enough, right? And so then the next question, which ultimately has an answer attributed to it, is like, what do we expect from cinema? What is the role of a film? Is it entertainment? Is it here to serve and please the masses? Or is it something that needs to defy our expectations? Is Mm. it something that we go into um, having an expectation and ultimately that expectation being crushed? You know, what purpose do films serve in 2021 yeah i think it's i think it's almost a little bit of both right i think Mm -hmm. at at that level of filmmaking in terms of um the reach and the budget that you have or the reach and the budget that villeneuve has making a film like this you're of course there's a of course a part of it that you're making for the audience because Mm -hmm. it's a studio film you still have to make money uh, and you still want people to like it. I'm sure as an artist, like, when, like, I'm sure if you're Villeneuve and you're making this film, you like, guys, watch this and mm. and I hope you like it kind of thing, right? It's like a like little a, inner child. Yeah, there's a pride associated with it. But at the same time, like, you have to make it for yourself. The mm. most important audience member is yourself as the mm. artist, I think. So... If you're not fully invested in what you're making, or you're not, you don't, you don't like what you're making, um, and you're not making it for yourself first and foremost, then I, I don't think it's going to be the best art that you can possibly make. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's a very nice way of phrasing it. I really like that you um, associate the artist with the uh, viewer. I think that's very, very true. Yeah. Well, uh, I can't remember who said i think it was tarantino said when you're coming up with an idea for a film or you're you're writing a film write the uh, write the film that you want to see that no one's made yet mm. kind of thing so you're writing it like what's the film that you want to watch right now if if you had any choice in the world the film that you'd most like to watch that hasn't been made yet it doesn't exist but you really want to watch this film. Make it. 
I want to watch part two of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> Go <laughs> make it, bro. I, okay, sure. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's not tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know if yes. you're going to be able to get Kira Knightley. In, in, <sighs> she's a bit yeah. expensive. Yeah, That's she's okay. just a tad. Just a tad. Just a little expensive. bit. Just okay, a little. maybe. Oh, it's okay. Where there's a wheel, there's a way. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, look, that's a really great way of putting it. I definitely agree with that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that that ultimately means that we do have to disappoint um, other viewers, right? Because if a film is an extension of our own goals and pleasures and desires, and ultimately that is an extension of who we are, so then mm. we need to engage in or have that difficult conversation of I'm making this so that you may be disappointed to some yeah, degree. Yeah, exactly. But you'll be but you like it <laughs> if you come in with an open mind and heart. Yeah. And and like there's a history like I'll, I'll go this is not really a genre of film, but it is a specific type of film. And it's that film that usually is either open ended or there's some weird twist or there's like lots of uh, like there's many possibilities of what could happen or what ha- happened kind of thing, mm. and people give their theories and whatever. These kind of like you know I don't know what to cl- uh, classify them as. These mind bender films, right? Ambiguous movies. Yeah, yeah, and I think people are often annoyed. Like the general audience is are often annoyed mm. with some of these films. Like even uh, the ending of Inception. People, I still talk to people today that are like, oh, I, I hate the ending because... I love like, the they ending. Have, of course, the ending's amazing. But, like, people always... Like, I actually talk to a lot of people that are like, I hate the ending because I want to be spoon-fed, basically. That's not what they say. <laughs> that's what yes, I'm hearing. Yes, they do. It's okay. <laughs> they do say that. <laughs> no, no. That's what I'm hearing. They're saying something else, but I'm hearing, I want to be, I want to be spoon-fed the mm. ending. I want to be told... You need that. Like, that's my favorite thing in films. And you come out and you're, like, thinking about it and you're like, oh, but is he in the dream? Is he not in the dream? Mm. And it's like, that's the great part. That's, like, films are supposed to be thought-provoking, right? Art is supposed to be thought-provoking. And if you have something particularly, um, like, the plot can be really used as a weapon. And if you use um, a plot point like that, particularly at the end of a film, uh, and Dune hasn't really done this. They're just leaving it as... We'll continue the story later, guys. But um, these films that are really thought-provoking, uh, they're really necessary. They're necessary. Um, they are. You're yeah. right. And it's almost as if we've become reluctant to associate critical thinking with filmmaking. I feel that there is, like, for example, the example of Inception, disliking it due to the uncertainty that's associated with it, is yeah. also a product of... People sometimes just want to go and watch a movie, be entertained and leave. But yeah. and, and we as a society have contributed to that, right? We yeah. have lowered the threshold of what it means to be a good film, especially as a result of the Marvel movies that are constantly being <laughs> produced in and out, in and out, right? Like we have, we have uh... set the expectation that a movie is just a piece of colourful entertainment with lots of flashy lights and stupid humour. <laughs> you go in and you watch it. Is, the, yeah, the thing is, I think... It, like, there can be some films like that. I'm not saying... Like, I enjoy a Marvel film as much Go as... Go on to the days of good art. <laughs> yeah, but look, like, sometimes you do need that. Like, there have been days where I'm like, I want to watch something, but I can't be bothered watching whatever's on my watch list because it's all, like, serious stuff that's going to make me think. So okay. I, I'm like, I'll just put on some crappy comedy or some crappy, you know, superhero film or whatever. And sometimes mm. you do need that. You just need, like, yeah, a little do. wind down, some entertainment, some stupid comedy or whatever. But... There's too much of it. That, that's think. exactly what I, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, there's too much. <laughs> I don't want to sound like an old man or anything, but like you always is, sound like an much. old man. What People, are you talking about? Uh, we're we're going to be we're going to be a very hated podcast straight away. You know that, right? Oh, look, I, I don't care. Like, anyone who likes Marvel, just unfollow me, <laughs> including including you, Rashid. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know what, uh, Bri, they say bad pu- like bad publicity is still publicity, right? Oh, that's... Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's, you're treading on very dangerous waters See, now. All, 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 the, all the Marvel fans are going to be listening to this, and they're going to keep listening to it so that they can comment, oh, these guys are stupid, they don't like Marvel, blah, blah. You know? I so, love the Hulk. 
How dare you? Yeah, I love that. The Incredible Hulk is the best Marvel film. No, <laughs> definitely not. I um, hate that movie so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, uh, really great points. And also, because I understand we've been speaking for a while, but before we leave, I yep. just want to say how much I absolutely appreciated um Glossu Robin. So he was like one of the henchmen played by Dave Bautista. Oh, Dave Bautista's character. Yes. Oh, that, he was one of my favorites. So scary. And, and the like, thing is, like, he only had like one line in the whole oh, film. But it's a presence yeah. you know, that makes him such like a commanding character. Like when I was watching him on screen, I was like, wow, like this is like captivating in a yeah. really scary way. Yeah. <laughs> like, and even though he only had one line, mm. that line told us so much about his character. What was he, the line? Do you recall? Yeah. Yeah. He, so he came, he comes back to his home planet after, um, they've been removed from Harakus basically. And it's been, the power's been given to house Atreides and he comes back, and I think the the big fat guy is his brother, right? Yeah, okay, big yeah. fat guy. All right, nice. The big fat guy, yeah. And he says, like, he, like, screams. Like, he's like, what, why are we doing this? Like, why are we allowing this to happen? And then the, the, the uh, like, I think it's, like, an advisor or something. That guy on the side says, you know, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. And then he explains, like, you know, the emperor, what the emperor is doing. Like, he's basically getting rid of House Atreides, right? Mm. But he's, he's, in his mind, he's like, there can't be anything good coming from this. This is ridiculous. Like, why, why, are, we, why are we accepting what's happening here? And that really tells a lot about his character. Is that he's very, um, I think he's very single-minded. He's, like, very just, you know, go, go, go. Like, very, like, a bit uh, full-on kind of thing he doesn't he doesn't see the other possibilities Mm, that's a very interesting observation and look i'm very excited to see what his character brings in the future um films um and also another point that i want to make before things wrap up is i just want to go back to the conversation of this film being open-ended i think one of the reasons why that quality is appealing to me as a viewer is also because a it leaves room for the imagination b I think as people, we are generally very uncomfortable with the idea of uncertainty. We yeah. want answers. Yeah. And so when you're presented with a film like this, it actually does promote self-growth, whether you yeah. like it or not. Because <laughs> it, 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 it literally defies your mental habits. Human <laughs> being, you, do you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, that's, yeah. and that's powerful to me. It's like, I know you want an answer. But I'm not giving you one now, so just be patient. Are you roasting the Marvel with... fans again? I am. Because, <laughs> look, to all the Marvel people who listen to this, if you made it this far, I just really want you to reconsider your life choices, man. <laughs> like, I know deep down you're a good person. You're really po- you're polarizing the audience here, bro. I'm not. Anyone who is with me, follow me on Bedeyes underscore art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know, like, I'm just kidding. It's not, I'm not promoting myself. I'm not interested in that. No, no, um, no that's but- it. <laughs> but like ultimately like I just think that's beautiful because is that not like and is that not an Islamic concept as well like to have tawakkul means to also um just trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala despite navigating the unknown waters yeah right I, it's, someone asked me recently like you know oh what's the like what's the one thing that you really love about film and I was like oof that's a big question but um I think one of the th- main things is that film is like a direct conversation. Mm-hmm. So, or art even in general is a direct conversation, but particularly film, I think that when a director makes something, so uh, Villeneuve makes this film, Dune, and all these people come together to make the film, but the end result is he's saying something to you. Mm. And if... If he was just saying, um, you know, uh, water, if, if he came to you like in an actual conversation and said, you know, humans need water to live. How do you respond to that? Ugh, like, that's it. The conversation's over, right? He's giving a fact. He's saying, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a sentence with a full stop. Instead, 
he's coming to you and he's like he's posing a he's posing questions and so now you have the opportunity to actually engage in a two-way conversation you can actually say something back kind of thing you're able to you know uh engage with what he's asking or what he's saying and if he just gave you a statement then you're like okay and you forget that you ever met him you'll go you'll continue along your day and and you're like uh, this this guy said to me that what is necessary for humans to live yeah <laughs> really smart really smart there but <laughs> you know what i mean you you need that yeah. two-way conversation you need that like the thing is people i think expect the film to be this uh objective statement like we're going to see something no you're going to uh you're going to hear something and then say something back kind of thing yes yeah i think that's my my point of view (laughs) that is a very good point of view to subscribe to and it's like that that, that's what art is isn't it like it, it art is not like science it's not you're not presented with these answers, right? What makes art powerful is that it's moving, right? It's a, it's this fluid creature that moves you when by having conversation with you. Mm. And I think also what comes to mind when you make the comment that it's a conversation between you and a film, it's also like saying, um, it's also like you're humanizing the movie too. Yeah. You know, it's like you're, you're attributing like this being into it. It's almost as if it's a person, like a friend, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful way to look at it because I know that there are some commentators who have stated that books are not books. They're actually like your friends, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I would extend that same reality to a film too, especially yeah. under these circumstances where you've humanized it and said that you're having this two-way conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, alrighty, so I think we've been talking for a while. We have. It's it's been a good conversation. We we did drift away a little bit from Dune at, at times. We didn't talk about Zendaya at all. Oh no! Okay, in part two, you'll do that with Rashi. She well, was fantastic, d- yeah, by the way. And in very very little, like she didn't say anything. Basically, she said like two but things. But her presence right? is oh, what yeah. made it's just very powerful. Fantastic. Oh, I can't wait to see what she brings to the next films. Absolutely, because I think she'll definitely have a more prominent role. Mm. Alrighty, so this is good. Um, Part two will be coming next week again. The funny thing is we're recording this before our intro episode is even out. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're kind of just going, we're charging ahead, but the intro hasn't come out yet, although people would have obviously heard it before this. Um, so yeah, part two with Rashid next week. Um, we'll do a little bit more of the technical side, how this film was made, um, and we'll be ranking Villeneuve's filmography which will be pretty fun i think um so yeah this was good bro um, i was just gonna say you should also roast roast about his marvel obsession yeah yeah i will definitely okay, good. um yeah i'll take all we said today and i'll continue it on um yeah so yeah this was fun uh we'll see you guys next time thank you very much and take bye care. bye